for all of your Wisconsin Badgers news from the recruiting trail, on the field, and near the rim. This is the Badger Blitz Podcast. If you want to be a Badger, just come along with me by the bright shiny light of the moon. On Overtime Media. Welcome back, everybody, to another edition of the BadgerBlitz.com podcast. Of course, powered by Overtime Media. This is senior writer Jay Kokorowski. We got editor, recruiting analyst John McNamara on the line as well here in the Vivid Seats studio. And of course, use promo code OVERTIME in the Vivid Seats mobile app to save up to $100 on all ticket purchases, first-time customers only. And that could come in handy if those are uh, for those that want to make it out to Camp Randall Stadium on Saturday morning, starting at 11 a.m., the number eight Wisconsin Badgers taking on the Kent State Golden Flashes on ESPNU. For those that can't make it out to the game for TV, it's Clay Matvick and Ryan Leaf on the call. Of course, if you're listening on the Badger Radio Network, Matt LaPay, Mike Lucas, Mark Tosher, Patrick Herb, great team there. And John, this is the final non-conference tune-up for the Wisconsin Badgers before a significant stretch against Big Ten opponents. Yeah, and you know it's kind of odd to have the non-conference hit at the, at this portion. You know, usually get those out of the way earlier in the season, then you're kind of in the thick of Big Ten play right now. But um, you know, after uh, you know a pretty good test from from Northwestern, I think there's some things you can clean up against Kent State, and um, obviously there's also some things that you'd like to stay at a real high level. So. Uh, you know, I, this kind of beginning stretch of the season, I think, you know, easier might not be the right word, but, you know, I think there's more opportunities for wins. And I think things kind of tighten up, uh, you know, it's starting in a couple weeks with, with some, you know, huge games uh, on the docket. So, um, you know, Kent State, I think it's coming in a good time for Wisconsin. They can, you know, fix some things up or clean some things up. Uh, before they go back to conference play and things really uh, kind of gear up. Because I think, you know, you're, you're going to start to see some separation with some teams uh, in the Big Ten come October. Um, you know, there's a lot of teams still in contention right now, but I think once October's over, uh, you'll know who the top programs are and, you know, where they might kind of shake out, you know, and really in, in comparison to the rest of college football, uh, you know, across the top 10 and the co- top 25 as well. And for Wisconsin, they will be a little bit healthier this week. We talked about it last week about the head injury for true freshman inside linebacker Leo Chanel. Key backup on at that inside linebacker group, but also on special teams, in my opinion. He's no longer on the injury list as of Thursday's report. Nose tackle Bryson Williams, who has been out since, gosh, uh, the first game of the year. He is questionable still. Madison Cone safety also, he is still out for the matchup against Kent State but uh, I guess you know before we get to the keys of the game we talked about it last week but what's what's Chanel's return it may, it may be not be seen maybe on the defensive end as much with how Jack Sanborn and Chris Orr are playing along with Mike Mascalunas who had a fumble recovery too but uh, how could Chanel impact the game maybe defensively and on special teams yeah like you said I think special teams shouldn't go uh, overlooked there I mean he's he's a big part of that uh, so that that's certainly important. But, you know, you look at the snaps and just I think off the top of my head, I think, uh, you know, Sanborn or both in the 70s or maybe even like mid 70s with how many snaps they played against Northwestern. So, you know, it, it helps if a guy like Chanel is there. 
um, to, to give you some reps. If he can give you 15 or 20 or so, you know, him and Matt Scalunas, that helps, you know, keep Sanborn and, and Chris Orr fresh as well. So, uh, you know, that's not the deepest position on the roster. You know, we've we've talked about it before on the podcast where, you know, they have, you know, four guys who they probably feel pretty good about playing. And, you know, when you're missing one of those, uh, you're, you're kind of limited there. So having him return is big. Um, obviously, he's not a starter, but, uh, you know, he's he's certainly there for, for the depth, which helps. And, um, you know, he's a, he's a playmaker. I think he's got he's one of those guys that, you know, maybe we don't see as much of it this year, but I think he has true playmaking ability. Um, you know, Jake, even going back to, to fall camp, you talked about a guy uh, who could maybe get to the quarterback on third downs. Maybe they line him outside. So I, I think he brings a unique skill set to that position. And, um, you know, obviously, like I said, helps with depths. But, you know, maybe we see you, him using some unique looks down the road as well. I think it's really interesting if they could get Bryson Williams back just because you've seen how good, for the most part, Keanu Benton's been where you haven't necessarily seen – too much of a drop off of that nose tackle position. Now I'm not necessarily a defensive line coach like Anoki Brechterfield, but having him possibly return, we I'm sure I'm not sure we don't know exactly if he'll suit up or not. We'll find out Saturday morning. And of course, badgerblitz.com. I will be there. Asher Lowe will be there, and I'll be tweeting if we see him either in street clothes or if he's suited up, ready to go and ready to play. But let's get to our keys of the game, John. Of course, uh, for a Saturday morning matchup, let's go offense first. A struggle against Northwestern, 243 total yards compared to, I've called this stat out before, 264 on the ground on average. What is your one, your, if you had one key for this game, what is the one you have for the offense that struggled to move the ball on third down with four 16 third down opportunities? Uh, on top of that, you know, again, only 113 yards passing. What's your one key to the game on offense? Yeah, I, I think you talked about the third downs, Jake. And, you know, the guy I'm looking at there is Jake Ferguson, the tight end, uh, who's been kind of quiet to start the season. He has 10 catches right now for, for 101 yards. And, you know, going back to last year, he was, you know, kind of the third down guy, uh, the guy that you look to to move the chains there. So um, I don't necessarily think he's the key to the game, but I think that's something I'll be keen on to looking at uh, against Kent State? Do they try to get Ferguson more involved? And if they are in some, some third and long situations, uh, you know, are they are they looking for Ferguson a bit more? Because he's he's got that skill set from that tight end position. Um, you know, he's, he's a big guy, uh, you know, big catch radius, which is a great buzzword that people like to use. But, you know, he's a guy that can move the chains for you. And I, I don't think we've seen a whole lot of him this year. And I think don't, going into this year, you expected a lot more from him. Yeah, I remember – the first three or four games of the year last season, he was a huge factor. Now also Wisconsin didn't have Quintez Cephas. They, the passing game was a little bit of a struggle here and there, except for him. And now through what, uh, through four games, he's been kind of quiet, right? You just haven't heard or seen much of him. uh, you know, against Northwestern, you know, a two yard pass, uh, or two or was it two or three yards there. And so it'll be interesting to see just how they incorporate him more into the offense. Even we saw for that matter, a, a 10 personnel that I documented in our personnel breakdowns on Badger blitz, John, where they Wisconsin went to a 10 personnel, which is one running back four wide receivers. So uh, it'll be interesting to see just what Paul Christ and Joe Rudolph see and, and how they want to exploit that Kent state defense. I'm going to go back to with my takeaway getting back to Wisconsin football in terms of the ground and pound attack 
doesn't matter what type of personnel. We've seen a lot of 21 and 11 personnel, which is two running backs, one tight end, two wide receivers. That's 21 personnel. And then 11 personnel is one running back, one tight end, three wide receivers. Whichever type of personnel they use, even if they bring in Cormac Sampson to be that second tight end in, in 12 or 22 personnel, I think Wisconsin just needs to get back to establishing the run. And I feel Kent State's going to try to obviously plug the holes against the Heisman caliber back. That should be the game plan and trying to contain as much of Jonathan Taylor as possible. But against Auburn, and you'll hear from Alan Moff from the record courier in just a little bit. You know, we talk, and you know, basically against Auburn, they gave up, Kent State did 467 yards rushing. They had three 100 yard rushers on the day in that big win. Now against Arizona State, the Sun Devils didn't have necessarily as much uh, success against Kent State there. But in my opinion, Wisconsin's bread and butter is ground and pound. You, you establish that physicality. Um, if you guys read the Q&A that's up on BadgerBlitz.com right now, Alan mentioned just how Kent State was kind of basically overwhelmed physically. I think Wisconsin can do that. They'll wear them down. I think if they establish that, that obviously, obviously against an opponent like Kent State, they have a chance to rack up some big points and make it another dominant victory against another non-conference opponent. So uh, if not, then Jack Cohn in the passing game have to step up and they have to, you'll have to ha- see more of those passes like you saw against Michigan on that fourth down on that 26 yard reception, or they'll have to, you, know, you see all, saw what happened against central Michigan where he aired it out for 363 yards and three touchdown passes, but it all goes back to the run game. I think Jonathan Taylor has a big game before they, they take on Michigan state uh, next week already. So going on defense, looking defensively now, John, this will be an interesting matchup for Wisconsin where Sean Lewis, the former Badger quarterback slash tight end returns once again to, to Madison, this time as a head coach of an FBS program, the youngest in the country uh, when he was named. And they it's a similar style of what you saw with Dino Babers. He comes from that coaching tree. A lot of up-tempo, up-tempo a lot of trying to get you uh, misdirection. Chris Orr mentioned it with the during the game, uh, during player availability earlier this week, really just a lot of, you know, it's a form of option essentially, but there's seems like some misdirection. Zach Bond referred to it as gadget plays. Wisconsin will have to play disciplined, but what is your key to the game for this defense that's ranked at either first or in the top 10 in a bunch of various defensive categories through four games? Yeah. And that, like you talked about with what Kent state's going to present on offense, you know that could take a series or two to to get used to. Obviously, you can you can practice against it, but um, you know with Kent State running it uh, at, at full speed, uh, you know I think that that might take, like I said, a series or two before they get adjusted. But you know, really with this Wisconsin defense, uh, I think it's just you know keep it the same, keep it what you've been doing. Um, you know, big part of that is Zach Bond, who's who's been very good so far this season. Uh, but you know, just continue to play the way that you have, and um, I don't think you'll have any trouble on Saturday. My takeaway, I think with just that tempo and Chris will refer to it as high tempo and they, they have a good quarterback in Dustin Crum. You'll hear more about him from Alan Moff in just a couple of minutes in the conversation we had earlier on Thursday, but Kent state averages about 69 plays 
per game. And against Northwestern, especially in that second half, you remember, John, there's a sequence where Northwestern scored a touchdown and then there's a muffed punt and then on top, you know, an onside kick. So there's a, you know, a series of, of drives that basically Wisconsin's defense was out there continuously. And so, you know, we'll see just how much that wears on the team this week again, and, and just what this defense can do to contain that tempo. And I think that starts with three and outs. Wisconsin needs to play that disciplined style of, you know, that they're known for play their one 11th, as you always hear, but three and outs will be key to help Wisconsin, not just, you know, obviously keep them off the scoreboard, but keep players fresh, allow the offense more opportunity to get in sync. And also, you know, like I said, just they have that opportunity. If they can get off the field, it doesn't allow Kent state to get to build up that tempo. It doesn't allow them to get momentum running up and down the field. So we'll see what happens there. Didn't put this on the agenda sheet, but give me one player that you think will shine on Saturday. Well, I think that I think you're going to see it across the board. Um, I, if, the, if there's one guy, I, I would look at Zach Bond again. I just the way that he's been playing uh, at a really high level right now. Um, he's he, like we talked about. We talked about you know, do they have special players on this defense? I think he's that guy. So I mean, he's the guy I'll be watching uh, against Kent State. You know, he he generates that that pass rush for Wisconsin, and I think he'll have another big game on Saturday. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go Jack Cohn. I think bad outing against Northwestern, and he wasn't necessarily needed against Michigan. And you saw what Wisconsin did with 400, you know, out of the 487 yards that they gained against the Wolverines, they racked up 359 on the ground. So, you know, I think in this final non-conference game, I think Kent State does everything they can to stop Jonathan Taylor. I don't think they do, but I think they sell out against the run and that opens up a lot for Wisconsin and it's wide receivers. I think they could utilize that 10 personnel. I think they'll utilize a lot of 11 personnel. We talked about it in that personnel breakdown too. A lot of, I still think there's going to be more shotgun there uh, looks out of the 60 snaps against Northwestern uh, 12 were only under center. And that included three of the kneel downs in the victory formation. So I think we continue to see more of that evolution of the Wisconsin offense. And I think they're going to try to make Jack Cohn beat them. And I think, the junior quarterback has a big day before they head into next week. Joining us now on the BadgerBlitz.com podcast from the record courier, we have Alan Moff talking Kent State and its football program underneath former Wisconsin Badger Sean Lewis. Alan, thanks for joining the show. And just if you can tell our listeners, just what has Sean Lewis done to this Kent State program? In, in terms of energy and the results on the field? You hit it right on the head, energy. Um, when he brought, he came in, uh, you know, the program, I mean, it's been, it's been struggling for a long time. They have three winning seasons since 1978, pretty much says it all. Um, they had a really tough run uh, before Sean got here since they had a, had a, had a just unbelievable year in 2012. They were nationally ranked for a while and then just never got it going again. Um, you know, so when he took over, it was just, you know, that they really needed, you know, the hire made sense because Sean is, you know, his youngest coach in America, uh, FBS that is. And, uh, 
you know, with that comes energy, just like you said. Um, he, he surrounded himself with a bunch of young guys just like him, and they just really came in and just like a like a tornado, uh, just changed everything um, and just really brought the place to life. Um, even through last year when they were struggling, um, you, you could still see a lot of energy, a lot more so than there had been in the past, a lot of positive vibes, and uh, they've been able to kind of identify some people last year that could help them, and they've they've rode that into this year and, and it really seems like on, on both sides of the ball right now, they've really got some positive, uh, you know, some positive things going on and a lot of, a lot of excitement right now in the program. And yeah, I was going to talk to you about this offense because we, a lot of the Wisconsin defenders earlier this week, Chris Orr, Zach Bond, a couple of linebackers mentioned just how, or what Kent state tries to do against, you know, opponents and, and some, I know Zach Bond mentioned kind of some gadget plays, but Chris Ord kind of talked more about just how like some maybe looks some misdirection here and there. How would you describe the Kent State offense and exactly who should Wisconsin fans look for on Saturday? Um, Well, I think, you know, again, Sean kind of, uh, you know, he came from Syracuse and Bowling Green under Dino Babers. Um, their goal back then, and I know that a couple of years ago they led the nation in plays. They just try to run as many plays as they possibly can. Uh, they try to keep you know defensive guys from from subbing um, and from being able to really uh, you know kind of make adjustments. They have to do it on the fly. Uh, you know when you come to Kent State, I guess their offense was just you know probably over a three four year stretch with oh, without a question actually the worst one in the nation. Uh, they averaged like you know twelve points a game over that stretch. Just really struggled. Um, so he came in with a different philosophy, um, completely different, and uh, just to kind of ignite things, and it's worked. I mean, you know, you know, again, it was kind of up and down last year. Um, you know, based on the schedule this year, it may not show it, um, other than last week, obviously, and they, they beat Bowling Green. They scored 62 points at 750 yards. Um, before that, it was a little up and down, but when you're talking, you know, you can't state and you're playing Arizona State and Auburn, um, they, they actually meant it managed to have some success against both those teams in the, in, at times offensively and uh, just kind of create some positive energy, and they really got it rolling against Bowling Green. Um, but, yeah, that's that's kind of their gimmick. I mean, you need to have something like that at Kent State, I think, when you just can't go out. You know, they're not Wisconsin where they've got, you know, five 320-pound guys up front and Jonathan Taylor behind them, and they're just going to run you over. Um, <laughs> they got to kind of scheme you up. they got to misdirection you. they got to try some things, and uh, they certainly do that. Um, you know, the, the surprising thing so far um, you know, they had a quarterback last year that Sean brought in. His name's Woody Barrett. He was actually an Auburn recruit. Um, they got him out of the JUCO ranks, and you just pretty much assume that this guy, you know, he's 230 pounds. Um, he's got a live arm. He's very athletic. You know, you just assume, especially after last year when he played decent and he started all year, that he's your guy. And uh, Dustin Crum has been given a couple opportunities early in the season. Um, he, he played well. He's obviously did everything that they asked him to do in the off season, and he's basically won the job back. Um, and he's played really well. He's coming off of a 310-yard performance against Bowling Green, and he's uh, he is the man at quarterback right now, which is a very surprising thing. But he seems to be doing exactly what Sean wants him to do with the offense, and, and he's being rewarded for it. Now, on, on the opposite side of the ball, too, you mentioned you know with. Kent State's played Arizona State to start the season. Then they played Auburn just a, about three weeks ago. And, you know, you, you if you folks, if you guys see the Q&A that I had with Alan on BadgerBlitz.com, you know, Alan describes, you know, granted, yeah, they, Kent State may have given up, you know, a total of a, almost 1,100 yards of offense and in 85 points in those two games. But a lot of it came against Auburn 
where, uh, you know, almost 500 yards rushing, uh, et cetera, you know, 300 yard rushers. But Alan, you, you told me too, you know, against Arizona state, they held the sun devils in check too. What have you seen out of the defense in the second year in, in this regime? And, and where do you see improvements? Well, they, I think again, they identified some players last year, um, that could really help them and they got them some experience and they've really come into this year with that under their belt. And they've been able to kind of really solidify things. Um, you know, the, the line, first of all, has been, you know, coming into the year, they had lost just about everybody up front. And that was a huge, huge uh, concern, you know, especially based on the fact that they really struggled to stop the run last year. But, uh, you know, they've done a decent job up front. Uh, they got a guy that, by the name of senior, uh, Theo Majet, who's played really well. He's been very disruptive. He's a, an undersized guy. Um, you know, he kind of reminds me of uh, Roosevelt Nix, which you guys may have may or may not know of up there. He's now Pittsburgh's fullback. He used to be a defensive lineman for Kent State, and he was just that guy that was just like a little bowling ball, which is kind of really disruptive, very quick. I mean, he was a four-time All-Mac guy, and, you know, Majette's kind of playing like that a little bit this year. I'm just getting in the backfield a lot, causing a lot of problems. Um, uh, at linebacker, they've had, you know, had a nice mix of young and old. Um, Nick Faulkner's kind of been a guy that's really had a breakout year. He's been uh, a guy that they've been really high on, but he's been, you know, playing with injuries the last couple of years, never really been himself. This year he's healthy. And uh, he's a guy that they really do a lot of different things with. Um, they play a 3-4. Obviously, they bring Faulkner off the edge a lot, along with safeties and everything else. Um, you know, they like to do a lot of different things defensively just as well as offensively. But uh, Faulkner's a guy that can actually rush the passer and cover guys downfield. I mean, I've seen him cover – he got in the mixed up in a coverage – couple weeks back um, against Kennesaw State, very athletic team, and he ends up covering a, a, a running back out of the backfield, you know, way downfield, 30 yards, covers him like a blanket, and ends up getting the pass knocked away. So he's a very versatile guy to keep an eye on. Um, the, the, the back end is their strength, I would say, defensively. They've got a couple of really good cover corners, um, Elvis Hines and Jamal Parker, Jamal Parker being the best of the two. He had two interceptions in their last game against Bowling Green. He's a senior. Um, proven guy, played a lot of football, um, just a real solid guy that can make a lot of plays. Um, and they got, you know, they're solid at safety as well. They've got a transfer, uh, Quantrez Knight, who played at Maryland um, last couple of years and played a lot of football for Maryland, so he knows about the Big Ten. Um, and, and was competitive at that level, and obviously, you, you know, he comes to this level and he's doing really well for him as well. Alan, before we let you go, what are some keys for Kent State to keep this game close? Uh, and obviously I know it's a, I've seen the odds and whatnot. And of course the betters have their mark or whatnot, but you know, in your opinion, what keeps this game potentially close and, and what do you see as the score outcome? Well, I mean, I can't see how they're going to do it, <laughs> but they've, they've got to slow that rushing down, <laughs> rushing attack down some way. Um, it's a, it's the ultimate uh, mismatch on paper. I mean, I don't know how you can get any more of a mismatch. You got Wisconsin averaging about six, six, three twenty. Uh, Kent State's got one guy that they play up front regularly over 260 pounds, um, and he's a freshman. <laughs> uh, so, uh, you know, I don't know. They're obviously going to stack the box. They're going to try to make the quarterback beat him, but he's a pretty good player as well. Um, I know Cohen's been playing very well. So, um, you know, I think you just kind of rely on the fact that Wisconsin isn't typically a really super explosive team, like maybe in Auburn or where they're going to just score points and bunches quickly they more or less try to wear you down physically and obviously they're perfectly capable of popping a big play at any moment but um if you can i guess you just kind of try to try to make them grind and grind and grind and, and put a bunch of different plays together hope they make a couple mistakes hope a fumble uh, or, or you know some turnovers go your way um but they're definitely going to need some help you know to make this thing 
you know, a relatively close game into the second half. Um, and then, you know, you're flipping on offense as well. I mean, another very difficult thing when you're trying to run the ball against a team that's giving up 44 yards a game on the ground. And, uh, you know, Kent State, with all their bells and whistles, still likes to run the football. That's still kind of what they base everything on. So um, they got to find a try to find a way to do those couple of things that are really important to what they do. Um, I don't, I, I would think they maybe have some initial success. They did that against Auburn, but obviously they're going to get worn down. There's just no way I, I you could see that not happening. Um, I would kind of look at the, about a, about a 38 to 10 final, something along those lines. Wisconsin, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> Alan, man, we appreciate your time. Of course, fans, you can find him at Alan Moff, M-O-F-F underscore R-C on Twitter. Make sure you give him a follow. Great stuff from Kent State. We appreciate your time, sir, and uh, looking forward to talking to you soon down the road. Sounds great. Thanks a lot. Folks, we're going to take a quick break. Come back. You're listening to the BadgerBlitz.com podcast, powered by Overtime Media. We are back here on the BadgerBlitz.com podcast, of course, powered by Overtime Media. Senior writer Jake Kokorowski, we got editor recruiting analyst John McNamara on the line here in the Vivid Seat studio. And it's time bringing it back. We did it last week on my own. That was weird. Our subscriber, Jay underscore Suddy. Appreciate the, these again. We're, it is our segment, our weekly segment. It's become over-unders. And this time, Wisconsin and Kent State. Let's kick it off hot, John. Over-under 0.5 defensive touchdowns and Bonus points if you say Matt Henningsen gets his third touchdown of 2019. <laughs> uh, I will go under. I think they all come from the offense uh, pretty well spread out. Um, I think you see more maybe through the air. You know, like you talked about, Jake, maybe Jack Cohen has a bounce back game, um, even though, you know, he didn't play terrible last week. Uh, so I think they're all from the offense. So I will go under. I'm going to go under this time as well. It's hard to score a touchdown on defense, but you know, I do think there could be some opportunities for tip passes and turnovers. I think they get at least two to three turnovers in the game off of some tip passes. If they're, you know, I know Kent state's going to try to run the ball, but they also, and they have not for that matter, they haven't thrown an interception yet this season either. They've lost four fumbles. I think they've fumbled 10 times have lost it four. They've coughed up the possession to their opponents four times. So I, right now with just the tempo and whatnot, I think Wisconsin gets more three and outs. I think they get at least two turnovers, possibly three, but it's hard to get a touchdown. And Wisconsin's been, they've, they've created these opportunities without, without a shadow of a doubt. But I think against this type of up-tempo offense, I think it's going to be harder uh, for Wisconsin there. But uh tangent question, uh, according from Jace underscore study, more points by the Wisconsin defense or the Kent State offense? <laughs> Another good one. Um, man, more points by UW defense or Kent State offense. I'll go Kent State offense. Um, you know, like I said, may, you know, they could score on the first drive, maybe get a field goal or get in the end zone. You know, that, you know, when you run that type of offense, it, it might take a series or two to get used to. I'll go with the Kent State offense there. I will too. Uh, going back to our under on defensive touchdowns, you could say a tie if if both don't, but I, I think Kent State gets at least 10 points. Uh, we'll go with game predictions a little later, but for right now, I'm going to say Kent State offense as well. Over under, 
1.5 passing touchdowns by Jack Cohn. Oh, that's a big over for me. Definitely. I'll I'm definitely, I feel very good about the over there. Yeah. I'll go at least two for, for Cohn. I still, like I said, I think Kent state tries to stop the run. And I think Jack Cohn has a, a bounce back game. So I'm going to go over as well. Uh, over under 2.5 targets to redshirt junior wide receiver, Kendrick Pryor. Yeah, another guy kind of in that quiet category. And I thought Wisconsin would make maybe more of an effort to get involved. Um, you know, obviously uh, in those jet sweeps is, a, is an area that he could, um, you know, obviously in the passing game as well. Um, I'll go over, uh, but he has been quiet, just like Jake Ferguson has. Yeah, I'm going to go with just the amount. Ah, I'm going to go under for the targets, I think. I think Wisconsin tries to go back to Quintus Cephas. I think you've seen cone in that slant pass to Danny Davis. And you also have Ferguson too. There's just so many weapons on this Wisconsin offense. It's just hard to spread the ball around for Wisconsin. And I think he gets at least a couple of catches, uh, but I think it might just be a couple of targets there. Uh, looking ahead over under 8.5 players with a passing target. Huh, this is an interesting question. That's a good one, man. Eight point like, five players with the passing target. Dude's good at this. Like, this, it makes you <laughs> think. Is. I guess I'll go uh, under, but not by much. I'll I'll go under there, but yeah, that's a good question. I think I'm gonna go over. I, I'm gonna go over. I, it's since I'll be the contrarian there, but Cephas, Ta- AJ Taylor, Jonathan Taylor. Garrett Groshek, Ferguson, Pryor, Danny Davis. So that's seven right there. So then you you'd need at least the Jack Dunn. I'm not, I'm gonna take that back. I think Cormac Sampson might get one because he's the number two tight end. I'm gonna go with a bold prediction there. And then number nine. Ah, that is gosh, that is t- uh, one of the fullbacks, John Chanel. So that, that's who I think. We'll get it. That that that's a darn good question uh, on that. That's fun. That makes me think there. Yeah, uh, that's what I was running through in my head. I said four receivers: Jake Ferguson, Taylor Groshek, and then that's why I, I, we just haven't seen a lot behind. Uh, you know the four receivers, and you know obviously Jack Dunn is there, and, and Crumholtz, who's been excellent on special teams. Um, but yeah, I, that's what that's my thinking when I went with the under there. Yeah, that's not a bad idea. It'll be interesting to see. I mean, I think obviously if the game gets out of hand and you see those second or third stringers going in and you see like a Graham Mertz or Chase Wolf trying to throw, I think that's when you might see those targets increase. So I think it does. If if Wisconsin blows them out early and you start seeing more targets, you know, you see the normal, normal players that get those reception or those passes thrown to them, you'll see them making plays there. I think if they blow them out, Early, that's when you're going to start seeing the Dunn, Crumholtz's, uh, Crookshanks making more of those catches too. So, over under 1.5 new freshman playing. Huh, that's, uh, you know, right now it's been Keanu Benton, who uh, will burn his red shirt, and it, then Leo Chanel, who, right. you know, in all, you know, unless something crazy happens, he's on pace. And then, uh, you know, I don't know. I think uh, Samar Melvin has played and Clay Cundiff has played, and that's it off the top of my head. Uh, so I'll um, 
was the question new freshman? New freshman. Then I'll take the under. I just don't know where else that might come from. Uh, but again, you know, this is this would be the point of the year where you would sprinkle some guys in uh, just to get some some playing time, you know, and kind of with the full understanding that, you know, they, they're still on pace to redshirt. Um, I would also throw Graham Mertz in that in that mix as well. He's played. He's played one game, but the plan for him is to redshirt. So actually, now that I am talking to myself out loud, I will take the over on that because maybe we see a guy here or there, like I said, who is still on pace to redshirt, but maybe they, they throw him in on special teams or uh, in, in the fourth quarter in some situations. So I'll, I'll say over on that one now. I'll go under. We'll see if, you know, they still have a, there's still plenty of time. Uh, but with just what Wisconsin will be facing now after this non-conference matchup, I mean, this might be the time that they get in. But based off of what I've seen, and, you know, even in front of Rucci and Cundiff, there's Jack Eschenbach, who is a redshirt freshman, but he hasn't, he's been used sparingly. He still probably needs to gain another 20 pounds or so, 15, 20 pounds or so. I'm not seeing it offensively and maybe, maybe Muma Jung Mehta who during pregame warmups last week against Northwestern was working as one of the number two inside linebackers with Mike Mascalunas in that duo. But until, I mean, you know, I don't know if I'm going to see a Rodis Johnson or anything like, or anything like that. So I'll go under for that. Um, but thank you again, J underscore study, the badger blitz.com subscriber who started sending, sending us these gosh, like South Florida week. And it was a lot of fun. So big shout out to him. Uh, of course, folks, it's a great segue badgerblitz.com. We got some, uh, obviously great subscribers. It's a great community. Check out badgerblitz.com. If you guys like what you hear here on the podcast, give us a try. Let us a chance. Give us a chance to earn your business there. But before we get going, our last segment revolves around part of the subscriber being a subscriber at badgerblitz.com. Not only do you get access to all the premium content on badgerblitz.com, but also on rivals, but yet there's also two, the exclusive, uh, you have an exclusive availability to be a part of the badgers den, which is you hear, you see John put up some rumblings of what he's hearing on the recruiting trail. We discuss various topics related to the Wisconsin Badgers, a great back and forth and allows us, John and I to have the opportunity to talk to Badger fans. And yeah, we have our subscriber mailbags each week. So I'll do a few questions on Twitter. We'll do a subscriber only mailbag in, in written form. So a feature there each week on the website, but then we'll do some here on the podcast to give you guys kind of what the appetite for those that are listening here on the badgerblitz.com podcast. So John, Without further ado, from Lake Mills Badger, any 2020 running back updates? Yeah, we have one up on the site right now that we put up this morning. Um, you know, they're they're taking a look at a, a running back committed to Virginia Tech right now, Jordan Brunson. Um, you know, there's there's others that are still out there as well. Uh, Lynette Whitehead is going to take his official visit uh, to Wisconsin when uh, Wisconsin hosts Michigan State. Um, you know, there's there's you know a few others that are out there that, you know, I've thrown on, on the message board. I think the the biggest thing right now, and I think someone pointed this out on the message board, was that, you know, if if Wisconsin wanted a running back right now, there are there's quite a few that they, they could have. So, um, you know, they're they're going through the evaluation process. You know, they're not in a rush. Uh, you know, they're, they're looking for the right fit. But um, I think fans that follow recruiting very close are getting a little antsy. 
uh, because it, you know, it's truly the one position, you know, I should say not the one position, probably uh, running back and offensive line where Wisconsin can go and compete with just about any school in the country uh, because of the tradition that they have at those positions and, you know, the guys that they have right now in the NFL at those positions. So um, I would, I would say just be patient. Um, you know, Wisconsin flipped Jonathan Taylor pretty late in the process, um, you know, from Rutgers. So, uh, you know, there's there's still some time to go. Uh, you know, Brunson's a guy that I feel like if, if they were to offer and get him on campus, uh, he would flip his commitment just after talking to him uh, a, a few nights ago. So, uh, you know, there, there are some guys that they're still looking at. There are some kind of those plan A guys out there. Uh, but if they go, you know, if they have to go beyond that, you know, they they still have some options as well. I wouldn't be surprised if if some more names popped up as the fall wore on. So um, again, I know fans are are anxious that you know Wisconsin does not have someone at the at the running back position right now in 2020. Um, but I would just say I think things will change. Uh, we'll just have to see when that does happen. All right. Second question from subscriber Schutzman. Is Wisconsin attempting to reestablish the Gary Anderson era links to other states like Utah and to players of Polynesian descent? It seems like those efforts have picked up recently. John, what have you seen? Yeah, I, w- I don't think we're going to get back to the Gary Anderson era where, you know, Utah was huge and California was huge and, you know, really anywhere on the West Coast um, was, was, you know, fair game for them. So I would say, you know, we're not going to see Gary Anderson type stuff here. Uh, but with Coach Brechterfield uh, on the coaching staff, you can still go into Utah and you can still go into Hawaii and, you know, get uh, those type of players. Um, you know, in, in talking to Deacon Hill, um, I know that, you know, their names escape me right now, but there are two other kids in the 2021 class. Um, you know, Raider Duami uh, was was his cousin and another kid. So uh, I think there's a connection there that Wisconsin went in there and offered because of, of Deacon Hill and, and obviously his family connections there. But again, you know, they, they've went into Utah before and, you know, Brechterfields has some ties there and, you know, they'll go to Hawaii as well because of, of Brechterfields uh, uh, recruiting ties to that area. So again, I don't, I don't think you're going to see Gary Anderson type stuff, but um, you know, Brechterfield kind of gives you that avenue. If you, if you do like guys there that are fits, they can go out, you can go out and recruit those guys. Last question in this mailbag segment from CC Manhattan. Why doesn't rivals rank basketball recruits like f- football and where he's getting at is, and we, this, I, th- I picked this question because I think it's a good way to kind of talk about how rivals ranks recruits uh, for football. They have, it's not just a star system, but they have a, you know, it's fi- you know, 5.5, 5.6, 5.7 for, for the three star recruits, but you have 5.8, 5.9 uh, and six for not yet for four-star commits uh john you know more about this uh you know what's the difference between what you see with that with football but also why doesn't rivals utilize basketball you know but the basketball recruits like that yeah i don't know much more to be honest with you um this question popped up and um i'll try to get a more concrete answer for you um as to why you know there's not a similar ranking system um in terms of like you said jake a a 5.9 a 5.8 and, you know, with the way that Wisconsin has been recruiting, you know, I, that's certainly a hot topic right now. And I'm sure you guys would love to know, you know exactly where Ben Carlson was or exactly where Matthew Moores was. Um, you know, my guess is the, just kind of the manpower. Um, right, right now we have Eric Bossy, uh, who kind of oversees the whole operation, and Corey Evans as well, who is 
uh, on the podcast with us. And, you know, those are the two big guys. Uh, Dan McDonald does some work with our, our basketball national team, but, you know, basketball compared to the analysts that we have for football, um, it, it's just different. I, you know, we have 10 plus guys for football and uh, really only three guys for basketball. I would imagine that has something to do with it. But again, I can reach out to to Eric and, and get a more concrete answer from him and then hopefully provide you with that answer in the very near future. As we wrap up this edition of the BadgerBlitz.com podcast, thanks for listening. Uh, real quick, too, as a kind of a, a call to action on subscriber, those that are just listening to the podcast, if you guys have you know any type of business related, you know, if you're looking for some marketing, if you're a local business, or if you're, gosh, if you're a national brand and you want to make your presence known, feel free to reach out to John and I. I'm at for Twitter at jcoco k o c o. And John is at at McNamara Rivals. Let us know if you want to buy, you know, on BadgerBlitz.com on the site itself or on this podcast. Let us know. Drop us a message. We want to obviously help your business, but uh, it's also a lot of fun and it's a great community too uh, with our reach as part of the Rivals Network. John, anything else you got for us coming up before we take it home and head into the weekend? Yeah, you know, football Friday, um, if the weather holds off, I, I don't know what the weather is, but with the way things have been going the last two weeks, I'll just assume that it's going to rain at some point. Um, so you know, we'll, we'll try to get to a game on Friday. Um, you know, I would expect it's a, a more quiet recruiting weekend. The last two Sundays have been uh, pretty crazy, um, you know, following up with the guys after Michigan and then, you know, basketball made things real busy last Sunday. So um, I wouldn't expect it to be as crazy with in terms of news and the guys that are there, but uh, what, what we're going to piece together who was there and, and catch up with those guys as well. So, um, you know, another, another home weekend gives us another opportunity to to reach out to a handful of recruits. And uh, we'll, we'll certainly do that this weekend. And then we'll we'll move on to next week against Michigan State. And obviously, folks, you can catch all our coverage, high school recruiting, Wisconsin football, basketball on BadgerBlitz.com. That is Wisconsin.Rivals.com. On Facebook, we put our articles up there, Wisconsin Badgers on BadgerBlitz.com. And then for Twitter, I mentioned it earlier. For John, it's at McNamara Rivals. For me, it's at Coco K-O-C-O. And the official Badger Blitz account at Badger underscore Blitz. For this podcast, be sure to, you can subscribe. It's for free. There is no payment that you need to do. Uh, no, you don't need to put your credit card information to subscribe to the podcast. This is free. But what subscribing does is it allows you to, whenever a new episode is uploaded into one of the following avenues, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or TuneIn, it goes instantly to the device you listen to. So your laptop, your mobile device in terms of your phone, an iPad, etc. So Please do that. And also feel free to give us some reviews. We want to make this the best Wisconsin Badgers podcast out there. And we do love five-star reviews. Why? It keeps our popularity building. And we want to, like I said, we want to reach a lot of people. And there's a lot to talk about with Wisconsin, both on the recruiting trail, on the field, and near the rim. So please uh, feel free to give some reviews. And hey, but also be genuine. We'd love five-star reviews, but we want to make sure that we're doing our job delivering the most accurate and the clearest information. If there's any way that we can make this better, let us know. So on that note, we're going to let you guys go. Enjoy college football Saturday coming up in a big college football weekend. And then we kick it back up 
next week, talking Michigan State, some takeaways from Kent State, and Bucky and the Sparty. It's going to be a big matchup next week, so tune in coming up for another edition of the BadgerBlitz.com podcast, powered by Overtime Media.